Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Omega Metroid podcast from OmegaMetroid.com. My name is Andy Spiteri, joined by Doominal Crossing. Doom, how are you? Uh, doing pretty good, Andy. Uh, surprise, uh, Doom Slayer announcement in Fortnite has caused me to download the game that I swore I'd never dip my toes in, and uh, probably going to be playing it with some friends tonight. But yeah, otherwise, you know, it's the same old Doominal Crossing lore. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I got a kitten crawling all over me right now. <laughs> Zora says hi to everybody, all of the Omega Metroid listeners. Um, yeah, no, no, fair enough. I uh, I saw that Doom thing uh, for Fortnite, and I actually was surprised because I thought that the Doom guy was already part of Fortnite. I don't know why I thought that. No, Matt. So Master Chief got in. I want to say like a year or two ago. Now. Yeah. Um, I, I want yeah two years ago because it was like during the Halo Infinite promo. So yeah, Master Chief got in, but they they finally added a Doom guy in and. I gotta say, man, that model looks clean. Look, look like they, it looks, it looks ripped right out of Eternal. Um, he also has like a really cool comic book style loading screen that looks so awesome. And uh, yeah, really excited to unlock him. Um, by the way, I had some really good feedback about a bonus episode that you and I did. Speaking of Doom, uh, so for anyone that doesn't know. Uh, over on Omega Metroid, we have a patron channel, which uh, if you subscribe to, you can get a couple different bonus shows. And one of them is a series, a monthly series called ROM Hack Reviews, where, as the name implies, uh, we review a Metroid ROM Hack. So usually I do this solo, but I played the game Doom Troid this month, and I had to get Doom on. I had a lot of good feedback for that show. Yeah, that was a fun episode to do. I, di- I didn't feel like I had much to contribute to it, but overall, like, it was a... Fun talking about it, and I was uh, surprised how much our uh, opinions were pretty similar on that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Despite despite how much more of a Doom fan I am, I thought well, like we shared a lot of the similar uh, critiques on that project. Yeah. So uh, you know, if you got a couple extra bucks and you want to support the website, that's the best way to do so. You can go and check out uh, Rom Hack Reviews and the Spateri Show and a couple other things over on Patreon. And by the way, if you want to support the site as well. Uh, if you're listening on podcast forum, which I'm assuming 99% of you are, you can't see it, but I got my Omega Metroid hoodie rockin' today, so, uh, you can go and check out our merch store as well. There's only one design right now, but more are incoming, so hopefully in the new year those will be able to, uh, to get up and rockin' and rolling, but, um, yeah, we have, uh, we have a very special show today. It is a- another 20-year anniversary, and we had to kind of delay this, uh, this celebration a little bit because of the unique circumstances of just the way Metroid Prime and Metroid Fusion were released, which is something that was very, very unique, never been done before, never been done since. And uh, we're going to talk about Metroid Fusion um, in depth for the next couple weeks. But before we do that, I do feel like we should probably uh, spend a little bit of time touching on some uh, Metroid news that was uh, unearthed, maybe would be a good way to put it. Um, did you know gaming did a, uh, one of their videos just came out and you can read about it on OmegaMetroid.com. Um, one of their videos came out highlighting some of the lost Metroid games over the years. And when I say lost Metroid games, I'm talking, these are like just kind of concepts with a very basic, uh, premise or maybe a demo. Um, not a whole lot else that, uh, went into them, but there are some really, really cool games in here that unfortunately never happened and reading this article and watching this video i was just like oh man this would be so awesome and it it, it did sting a little bit although i think that you and i have a different opinion on which one stung a little bit more <laughs> well i mean i thought they all stung a little bit but definitely so it, it was actually really interesting first off like everyone needs to watch the video it's absolutely fantastic there's a lot of like really cool never before known info that's that's in here as well as well as a lot of clarity on projects that we did know a little bit about but we finally have a much bigger scope of like what they were intended to be Mm -hmm. but uh but yeah first off we got metroid tactics which i thought Mm. was really interesting because this is actually something uh that i proposed on a q a episode of dac earlier this year i can't remember what exact episode it was but someone asked us a question would you rather a Metroid-style Hyrule Warriors game or a Metroid-style, like, um, turn-based RPG. And I thought, you know what? As much as I'm not much of an RPG guy, I am kind of a fan of Mario Rabbids and XCOM by extension. Maybe a Metroid-style XCOM could actually be kind of rad, and that's basically what this proposal for Metroid Tactics was. 
at, at a time where XCOM wasn't quite as relevant as it is today. Um, I, I am a big, big RPG guy. I love RPGs. So when I saw that, I was just like, oh my god, that sounds so awesome. I've never actually played XCOM, but I've played a lot of tactics RPGs in my day. I'm a big Fire Emblem guy. I'm a big... Uh, like even Final Fantasy Tactics, uh, Triangle Strategy, um, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, Mario Rabbits is a really, really fun, underrated tactics game. You know, it's kind of got a goofy pre- like premise, so I think that people underestimate it. But it's a really fun game, like once you kind of get into the meat and potatoes of the game. So when I read that, I was like, oh my god, like that sounds so awesome. I wish we could have had that. XCOM in particular, actually, is, uh, is a game that's been on my my wish list for like forever and it keeps on going on sale and i i don't know what it is i just i haven't i haven't bought it yet and i don't know why but it looks like something that's right up my alley so yeah that one that one stung a little bit because i was like god that would have been so cool um but i think that uh at least for you what i am imagining is uh the one that stings more is something that was called project valkyrie and this was to be worked on over uh, a seven-year period by next level games who you might remember created Metroid Prime Federation Force. So that in and of itself, I was just kind of like, eh, I don't know. But then I also look and I'm like, well, Next Level Games made Luigi's Mansion 2 and 3, and those are awesome games. So maybe I was being a little bit unfair. But um, essentially, this was to be a game that was, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, Doom, kind of like a sequel to Metroid Prime Hunters, but kind of with a little bit of a Quake vibe to it. Um looked it looked interesting but it wasn't necessarily what i would call my cup of tea so yeah so i I would say spiritual successor is probably like a more Mm. accurate term to use um because at least at least from what we don't know we don't know what the final product would have been called we just know that the the development term was project valkyrie and this is really interesting because we actually somewhat knew about this before so there's a piece of concept art of of samus that has it has this really unique artistic style um applied to it and it, there, one image shows shows like samus in her plane form and the other other concept art shows all these glowing orange lights and we know that it was from a canceled metroid um next level project but this is the first time where we actually finally got more information on that what all of that contributed to including the glow the glowing orange lights and it all had to do with the multiplayer, where those glo- those orange lights would basically activate when the character is far away, so that you can still see them, which is very similar to a lot of other shooters nowadays, where they have glowing outlines. But this was interesting because it was actually a unique part of the suit, not just like a, glo- a like a random glow that would just be applied to the character model, mm. like for no reason. Like it was an actual in-universe thing, so that that was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it started so it started off on the regular DS. Um, and then it was, um, and then it was quickly canceled. Um, and Next Level was tasked to work on uh, Dark Moon, Luigi's Mansion Two. Um, and then right after that, they went back to work on this and basically restarted from scratch, uh, <laughs> a la Metroid Prime Four. But un- but this time it was, but this time it was uh, tasked. Um, I don't know if they if they knew it was going to be on the Wii U, but they were building the assets as if they were going to be on and. It, an HD console at that time. And they specifically describe it as having quote PlayStation three level graphics. And this iteration is basically just basically described as a quake style, um, arena multiplayer, multiplayer Metroid shooter. And to me, that sounds like a spiritual successor to Metroid prime hunters. And, you know, as a fan of Hunters, you know, one of my biggest things is, you know, I love Hunters, but it's a game ahead of its time. The DS just is not powerful enough to realize all those concepts. Um, even the concepts that aren't cut, the ones that are implemented, they don't, they're not quite fully realized. And I really, I've always wanted to see that vision fully realized. And this sounds like a game that obviously it's not the same team that was doing it, so it wouldn't be that exact same vision but it would again it would have been something in that similar style and to think that all of that like literally all of that was canceled so that we could get federation force that just absolutely guts me like yeah i mean <sighs> the, the the description of project valkyrie like i was much much more interested in the, in the metro tactics game i could have probably taken her left uh project valkyrie because like i just don't 
arena shooters don't scream Metroid to me, but I guess to be fair, Tactics probably doesn't scream Metroid either, but I mean, almost anything has got to be better than the game that we ended up getting, which is unfortunate because as we mentioned a bunch of times, it's not like Federation Force is the worst game ever. It's just like it's so mediocre in almost every category that it's it doesn't leave a lasting impression, which is something that you cannot say about Metroid Fusion, which celebrates its 20th anniversary about a month ago now, um, a little bit less than a month ago, three weeks. And uh, so we spent the last couple weeks, uh, as we should have, honoring Metroid Prime and just discussing some of the bosses and just some of our memories, um, just some of the, you know, we, we did a definitive ranking. So uh, we had a really, really great time talking about Metroid Prime. But what I feel gets lost is is Metroid Fusion because that also came out at the, at the exact same time, the exact same day. And I have some thoughts about that because I actually, in hindsight think that that wasn't very beneficial for Metroid Fusion, but I just want to, uh, I want to talk about my initial memories. I was so, I was so excited for Metroid Prime and Metroid Fusion. I had become a recent Metroid fan, um, probably, probably like three years earlier, um, when Super Smash Bros. came out. It took me about a year after, and then I tracked down a copy of Super Metroid for the SNES, and I was hooked. I loved it. I loved Super Metroid. I went and played the original Metroid. I went and played Metroid 2. So I didn't have to go through like an agonizing long wait to get more Metroid because by that time Prime had been announced and Fusion had been announced and they were only like a year away from coming out. So I was so stoked to play these games and um, I got Metroid Prime right away and I got Metroid Fusion for Christmas when I believe I also got a Game Boy Advance at the same time. So this would have been Christmas 2002. Or no, I would have already had a Game Boy Advance. So I got Metroid Fusion for Christmas 2002. And, uh, you know, I I knew that I liked it a lot. But I also knew right away that I didn't love it. Um, which was funny because I think I would have only been like 13 or something like that at the time. But um, yeah, so Metroid Fusion definitely, definitely made a lasting impression. I remember where I was when I got it. I remember opening it up. And I remember being so stoked to have the other Metroid game that came out with it. Yeah. For, so my journey is a little, a little bit different. It's similar in that, you know, I was a fairly new Metroid fan by the time those games came out. I, uh, I didn't play Metroid prime until the following year, which is what really got me into the Metroid series. But fusion was actually, believe it or not, one of the last Metroid games that I played in like my to-do list. Um, I think I played it in high school just before Other M came out. And the only one I had after that was the original NES Metroid. So it was like, so it was literally like one of the last ones I played. Way down there, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I must have been like, I want to say 15 or 16 by the time I played Fusion. And it came out when I was eight, I think. So Mm. yeah, a long, a long time, especially in kid years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me to get, for me to finally get around to that, but uh, yeah, when I when I did play it, I uh, I absolutely fell in love with it, and I feel like and I feel like as time has gone on, I've I've grown I've simultaneously grown more critical of it, but I've also appreciated it more for some of the of its uh, unique attributes that it brings to the series as well. Mm-hmm. And it definitely certainly has those unique attributes, and I I feel a special kind of kinship towards it, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But I do want to talk about the original release. Um, what was it? November 18th, 2002? Is that uh, correct? Seven, 17th. It was 17th. the day before Prime. Okay. okay. Um, so this is something that never been done before, never been done since. And in fact, I am actually struggling to think of another Nintendo franchise like I, ever. I'm sure it's happened, but I can't think of another one off the top of my head that had two major releases come out on the exact same day, and I'm not, like, Pokemon doesn't count, because that's the same game, um, you know, like the... Even even Smash Wii U 3DS didn't do that, those were at least a couple months apart. Yeah, yeah, Smash 3DS came out, I want to say in October, and then um, Wii U came out in December, you're right. It, so it was, like, at least a little while in between. The closest example I can think of is Mario 3D World and Link Between Worlds released on the same day. But again, those are different franchises. Yeah, I wouldn't so. even count that. Like that's I'm talking like if if Breath of the Wild and and a Link Between Worlds released on the same day. Like mm-hmm. I can't think of another major franchise that this has happened. I 
I get you know what I guess you could say maybe Fire Emblem on the 3DS released a couple years ago when there was Fire Emblem Fates and one of them was Conquest and one of them was uh, whatever the other one was called. That might be the closest thing, but even those games were like kind of they were linked together. So like there was a reason for them to release simultaneously or the Zelda Oracle games like they were linked together. There was a reason for them to be released simultaneously where Prime and Fusion were not really connected at all. I mean, connected in the sense of their Metroid games, but they didn't really have anything to do with each other. It felt like one of them was just releasing for the fans of 2D. One of them was releasing for the fans of, you know, the who wanted more, who wanted next. And I felt like this always did Metroid Fusion kind of dirty. Because, and I know, I know Dak really loved that they released on the same day together. And from a fan perspective, like, yeah, it's pretty cool. You know what I mean? It is pretty cool having two games come out. But I thinking back, can you remember a single Metroid Fusion commercial? I think we all remember the awesome Metroid Prime commercial that played in the movie theaters, but like I don't remember any for Metroid Fusion. So and granted, actually, you were you were eight, but Yeah, I was about to say, because I never actually saw the Metroid Prime commercial until years later on like the internet. So I never actually right. got to experience that in a movie theater, which is a shame. That, I that, did I and mean, it that was probably would have awesome. been incredible. <laughs> yeah, I've I've seen three three trailers for video games in my life in movie theaters, and I was like blown away every time. One was Metroid Prime, one was Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, and one was Gears of War, which had the awesome Mad World trailer. Oh my god, that trailer was that so must awesome. have been that must have been a hell of an experience. It was so awesome. It, oh yeah. Anyways, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I actually the um. I believe the first Metroid commercial I vividly remember seeing on TV was the Zero Mission commercial. Right. And then I don't remember. I I only saw the Prime 2 commercial online. I never saw any ads for Prime 3. Um, and then after the And then kind of and by the time Other M came out, that was when I was like, you know, switching over from like cable TV yeah. to streaming services. So like, yeah. Well, and so my point in that is like, I feel like Metroid Prime got the lion's share of all the advertising, of all of the... Metroid Prime also had a really engaging story behind it, where it was the first 3D Metroid, and it was the first um, first-person shooter Metroid, and it had this outrageous development history behind it. So it was just like... Metroid Prime seemed to have all the buzz, and, and as it should, as it should have. Um, whereas Metroid Fusion, just... I don't think that it really had that. and I And I don't think it was a case that, like one cannibalized the sales of the other because i do think at that time like you know it was probably it was on a different platform and they had different audiences and stuff like that but i I do think that releasing on the same day took away from metroid fusion it took away from the buzz it took away it just kind of made it feel lesser but just by direct comparison right at least in my view because it's like it's a smaller cheaper game boy advance game versus like a big 3d metroid game for your gamecube which is Next Generation, which is getting all these Game of the Year awards, and Metroid Fusion was just kind of like that solid next entry. And I and I, I don't know. I, I just feel like releasing on the same day just didn't do anything for Metroid Fusion, as as cool as it was for Metroid fans. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think that's fair for sure. Like, I think what Nintendo's, what they were going for there was they wanted to have something for everyone on that day. Like, hey... You don't have a GameCube, but you got a Game Boy Advance. Well, hey, we have a very traditional yeah. Metroid game um, that's you know going to be the you know going to be roughly the same kind of experience of what you've been adjusted to so far. But if you got our new super powerful GameCube, then you get this ambitious 3D first time console experience uh, that's mm. never been done before. And uh, so yeah, like I feel, and even after the fact too, like when you know the year 2002 is ending. And Metroid Prime is getting game of the year after game of the year after game of the year. It's like, again, it just, it didn't do anything for Metroid Fusion. So, like, I wonder what would have happened if they would have delayed that release by a year. And and had it come out in 2003 in between Metroid Prime 2 and 1. I think that that could have been really, really good for Metroid Fusion. And it would have also had it so you had a Metroid game coming out every year for, like, the next, I don't know, like, five or six years almost. Which... And I under like you're right. I understand why they did that because there have been the eight year gap from Super Metroid to Metroid Prime and Fusion. So like they wanted to just make a bold announcement that you know Metroid is back and Metroid Fusion is here and this is you know something for everyone. We've got classic, we've got new style, 
but yeah, I, uh, I, I just, I think it was a mistake in hindsight. And I, I know that we've said on the show before that it'd be cool to have something like that happen again. I hope it never does. I, I mean, I, I mean, in the Switch era, I don't see why that would happen if you know if right. Nintendo does keep going down this route of uh, hybrid console and portable. So I don't think they're unless they release like I don't know a mobile game on the same day as like the next game. But that's like that's yeah, different. That that's count. yeah, that's something a little bit different. I think, but. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, I always thought, like, on one hand, I thought it was cool. But on the other hand, I thought it really... I, I did think it hurt Metroid Fusion. And I wonder if that's, like... I don't know. I wonder if that's why, subliminally, I, I've always kind of... Because as soon... I mentioned it earlier, and I wanted to talk about it a little bit. But as soon as I was done Metroid Fusion for the first time... And I remember it, and I, and I don't know why, but... I knew that I, I liked it a lot. I mean, it's, clearly, it's it's a great Metroid game, and it's a great Game Boy Advance game. If you were to ask me, it's probably in my top five, definitely top ten Game Boy Advance games. But I knew that I didn't love it, and that was probably because I had played it directly after playing Metroid Prime, and it was hard not to compare it to Super Metroid. And for me, the big draw of Super Metroid was, like, this giant world that you could explore and finding all of the different locks and keys and, and you know progressing at my own pace and metroid fusion is of course a very different type of experience so i remember just being like not overly enamored with it i thought it was good but i was like metroid prime is like definitely the better game and actually a funny note i remember i was like a kid i was i was really young like like i said 13 or 14 but metroid database was still around at that time and i don't know who wrote this but somebody wrote a review for metroid prime and completely dumped all over it because it was 3D and a first-person shooter. And just, that was it. Because it was a first-person shooter, the review was awful. And they praised Metroid Fusion because it was 2D. And they were like, oh, this feels exactly like Super Metroid. And I was like 13, and I was like, this doesn't feel anything like Super Metroid. Like, I, I think Metroid Prime is way more. So I, I always remembered that for some reason. It always kind of stuck in my craw. I wanted it to be like a little... 13 year old like firing a message at metro database just being like take down your metro prime review it's not it's not true <laughs> um but yeah so I, I don't know why that always stuck with me but uh you know it did yeah i think i think that was the original site owner and i think that slowly they i think eventually they stepped down just because they weren't a fan of like the new direction that metroid was going in after that but like i i, I don't know i don't know what the whole history and lore behind that is. We so. could ask Ryan one day, see see what he knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I guess my original point was like, I did, I knew right away when I played it that liked it, didn't love it. Um, and my, but my opinion has like shifted and changed over the years, which I, which I want to talk about a little bit, but like, what, what was your, like after you were done Metroid Fusion for the first time, it's a very different type of Metroid game. Very different. Like, what did you think after playing it? Oh, like I said, I absolutely fell in love with it. It was definitely in my um, top five, but I couldn't really place, like, exactly where in my top five it was. But uh, for me, like, I, you know, there's so much things about Metroid that just absolutely enamors me. And one of those things is the lore. But this was the first time that that lore was really translated into a compelling narrative for myself. And... You know, one of the things that really stood out to me, and I, I think I've talked about this in the podcast before, was just how much more three-dimensional that the Galactic Federation uh, became. And because mm-hmm. before then, before then, it was always, you know, it was it was always spliced as Galactic Federation are good guys, Space Pirates are bad guys, Space Pirates are bad because the manual says so. Same thing with the Galactic Federation. And it's mm. just, it's, and, and it just, it's left at that. Yeah. And I was always fine with that. But Fusion, you know, a lot of people paint the Galactic Federation as the villains in Fusion. And I wouldn't necessarily say that they're the villains of the game, but they're, they're for the first time, their motivations don't fully align with our motivations. And our motivations are portrayed as being the one, as being the correct motivations, which they are, obviously. They are. And, you know, I've always... Um, I've made the comparisons to Weyland Yutani in in the past. I think a more accurate description actually would be probably OCP from the RoboCop universe. Um, as I've thought more about it, you know the you know okay. these are you know okay 
Yeah, where, where OCP isn't necessarily the villains of the RoboCop series, but they have motivations which lead to villainous outcomes. And they have individuals within the organization that clearly uh, have bad intentions on, mm-hmm. what they, on what they want to do uh, utilizing OCP in the future. And and that's kind of the vi- and that's kind of the vibes that I got from the Federation and Metroid Fusion was here's the first time we're looking at this organization and we're seeing aspects of the organization organization uh, that aren't that aren't as um, angelic as uh, they were portrayed to be in the past. Mm-hmm. And so I and so I I always really love that approach. And then you know as I you know I would continue to play on. I always I always thought Zero Mission was the better of the Game Boy Advance Metroid games, and then. I downloaded Fusion again on the Wii U, and it was the first time I played it, I think, in like three or four years, and there was something about playing it on the Wii U that just elevated that experience That experience mm. to me. And I, I don't know if it was like playing it on a big screen, you know, with a big surround sound system or whatnot, but there was something about playing it on, on it where all of the positives that I got out of the Game Boy Advance were there right. and um, and amplified to like such a degree. And uh, since then, uh, Fusion has been in like my top three, um, top two if we're not counting AM2R, but I usually do count it mm-hmm. just because of the quality of that title. And um, yeah, and I'm and again, I'm still able to recognize some of those criticisms. I don't know if you want to get into some of that. Yeah, uh, next, I, I mean, the- we we can talk about some of the criticisms, but like, you know, I. I, I agree with you. Like I, I want to focus a little bit more on on the positives, um, but I, we can talk about some of the criticisms. Um, and I get you know what? Let's just get them out of the way now, so we can can focus on those positives. I I do I, you know I've I've talked about it a lot on the show. Um, I didn't the the only thing that I didn't love about um, well not the only thing but the, the one thing that I didn't love about it is it's very stop start stop start stop start. And, um, you know, as we were talking about a couple weeks ago when we were doing the definitive ranking of Metroid Prime, I think for me, that game just, like, really nailed how I like story in Metroid to to be told. Like, where it's there if you want to go and find it, if you want to go and and search for it, you can get that story. Um, it just, it's not hitting you over the head with it. And... I would even say, like, I, I quite like the story of Super Metroid, which is very simple. It's very basic. You kind of have a start. You kind of have an end. And there's not, you know, anything in the middle can kind of be inferred just by some of the scenery and stuff like that. So I thought Metroid Prime, like, was really the way to go in terms of how to tell a great story in Metroid. I was more than satisfied with the way that Super Metroid told that story. But I, I wasn't enamored with the way that Metroid Fusion went about telling its story, even though its story is, for the most part, really good. Like, I like the concept of the X-Parasite. We'll talk about the SAX in a bit, which uh, I, I don't know that you could find anybody who has a bad thing to say about that. Um, and I and like you said, I like that the, the Federation is kind of slowly twisting and turning to be, you know, instead of this bright white knight, well, in fact, there might be some shades of gray to this and maybe even a dark side that we don't know about. Um... I just, you know, the way that the story was told, and this is, like I've said, it's a limitation of the hardware that it was on. It it, it very was stop and start. So, like, you, I just loathe having to talk to Adam all the time. And it didn't help at the end of the game when the big twist is that the computer that you've nicknamed Adam is the real Adam. Because I remember kind of rolling my eyes at that, even as a kid. And I, I, don't, I don't love it now either. I just think it's kind of like... Okay, well, I guess that's like I guess that's what we're doing, um, and it's one of those things that you just kind of have to not overthink. You just kind of have to go with. But I never really loved that. So the way that Fusion tells its story is is a, it's just a bit heavy handed for me and causes some pacing issues, um, and it takes a lot of time to go through a lot of the text, which I would say like is fine the first time that you're playing it. But like for someone like me that likes to go back and like replay a lot of Metroid games, it's like. Even if there was like a skip option, like if you could press start and skip it, I'd be, I'd be happier. Um, so that's that's one of the things that I don't love about Metroid Fusion, and uh, you know I I, I think that uh, at least when it comes to me, that's something that holds it back a little bit. But like I said, I also wonder. It's like I just think inherently in my mind sometimes it's like Metroid Fusion has a hard time getting out of the shadow of Metroid Prime and to a lesser extent Super Metroid. 
Yeah, for sure. I, and again, I I agree with most of those criticisms. I just don't think they affect me to the same level. But mm -hmm. like, if you say that, like, hey, this is a flaw with the game, I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. Like, this is an area where uh, the game could improve, and certainly something I think we'll be touching on next week uh, as well. So yes, but uh, but yeah, when it, when it comes to the Adam reveal, it did work for me. But again, I also agree that it feels completely contrived and just kind of, um, but. Forced, yeah. Forced, is, I think, is the is the correct word there, because um, it, it's just like, okay, well, that's that's awfully coincidental, and especially like after Metroid Dread, when we hear what the Atom computer actually sounds like, it's like, okay, come on, Samus, how on earth could you possibly get human Atom <laughs> vibes from this thing? Yeah, like, oh yeah, obviously this computer totally reminds me of that. It's like, eh, okay, sure, whatever, but um, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, I totally I totally agree with the. The start and stop storytelling again it doesn't affect me as much just because someone who doesn't really speed run fusion and someone who does enjoy that story every time i do play it mm -hmm. you know i do get invested in that that being said i do think there are plenty of examples like you mentioned such as super metroid and metroid prime um that have various simplicity levels of storytelling that just objectively do it but prime 2 even even though I don't like how it lays out a lot of its big cards at the beginning of the game, I still think that game does a significantly better job of laying out its story long-term than, um, than Fusion does. Mm -hmm. I will say, though, despite that, I think this is why this is why it ultimately doesn't bother me. Is while I don't like the way Fusion tells its story, I like the way its story is paced and how, and how you get the, its droplets of information like throughout the game. It's similar, it's similar to Prime in that regard, Obviously I think, not. I think I could cool. agree with that. Yeah, because there's yeah, there's similar. like set pieces yeah. that happen during the course of the game that make sense. It's just so the pacing of the story is is really great. I think that the overall pacing is a little bit slower for me. And and again, uh, um, this is a limitation of the hardware that it was on, but the areas themselves are just like bite sized areas. Like you you don't have a Meridia or you don't have a Brinstar in that game, and. Uh, you know, again, that's a fault of the system that it's on and the, the processing power and stuff like that. But, like, Sector 6 is, is quite small. Sector 5 is quite... You know what I mean? It's just... It's a little bit yeah. smaller in scope, which um, just, for me, is one of the things that holds it back just a little bit. But I, I do agree. Like, I think that the way that the, the story is paced... Like, there's lots of exciting things that happen during the game. Like, when you lose power and you have to go switch on the auxiliary power or when the station is about to overheat or, you know, like, there's lots of cool little things that that happened during the course of the game that feel like big deals and require your like immediate attention. And it feels like everything is, it feel it does feel like you're walking on a tightrope that entire game. And like anything that happens, if you don't deal with it right away, could potentially knock you off. So I do love so that. That's, so that's actually one of my favorite parts of fusion. And there's definitely, there's definitely some flaws in how it's handled in the way it constricts your constricts your movement at, at this time i think it's you know safe to argue that fusion is the most linear metroid title released you know at this time but yeah. one thing that i but one thing that i think it excels at because of this um is like is like you mentioned the the set piece moments and i'm not even sure if set piece is the right word in every case like maybe for some of like you know the uh, the escape sequences or like when the uh, the boiler room is overheating that's definitely mm -hmm. set piece but then you also have more subtle moments like um when not when it's before you actually meet the sax for the first time but you just hear it and all you hear is a large explosion and you go down and you see the door that you just went down is broken and you can't access that any longer mm -hmm. and like and like now when you pre replay the game it doesn't really do much but like when that first happened it was just like what <laughs> uh what <laughs> And so stuff like that. And then obviously, like for me, the big highlight is like you mentioned, the um the power going out in the elevator and stuff like that. I was really happy that Dread also um brought back like a stuff like, like a dark that. these kind of sequence or something like that. Yeah. They they feel like events that happen within the story. Um it makes it it make it weirdly enough, it makes the environments feel more alive because as you progress through the story, they're constantly evolving. And you even see more subtle examples of this, like um uh, you you see the key hunter larvas when you first enter sector two, and then immediately they start cocooning. And then by the time you um, get to the power sector, they fully evolve. And mm -hmm. and, um, and you can use the cocoons as platforms as well that you use. And by the time they hatch, you have the space jump, so you don't need those anymore. But like, there's there's so much subtle subtle cool things about that that I really enjoy. I think sometimes it's not even subtle actually. And and you know, I was just saying that one of the downfalls of Metroid Fusion is that its areas are quite small. 
but it does do a very good job of working within that to like reframe how those areas are and so what i mean by that is like um when you go to sector two the first time it's very different than when you go the second time because now like now all the cocoons have hatched and you've got key hunters everywhere or another good example might be in sector five the first time that you go there it's kind of it's kind of like a, a shunted off um, area, but when you go back, Nightmare has escaped, and he has destroyed a bunch of the, the platforms and stuff like that, a bunch of the doors, so now there are different areas for you to explore. So it does feel a little bit different um, each time that you get to go into the areas, and I think like when you start unlocking travel from area to area, and you don't have to go back up to the main sector, that's when the game really starts cooking. And that's when it feels like, okay, like, this is Metroid. Like, this is a Metroid game to me. Rather than, like, a, a, like a, an objective-based platformer. Um, so, yeah. But I, 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 I do think that one thing that we could probably all agree on is, like, you know, do you love the story? Do you not love the story? Debatable. But I've never seen anybody say that Metroid Fusion does not have one of the most intense atmospheres in the series. I think if you're going to say, you can say whatever you want about Metroid Fusion, but you can't say that it's not tense, that it's not, um, there's not that sense of, of dread, which I know is kind of like a buzzword now, but, you know, it, it does create a fantastic atmosphere. I, I can't wait to talk about this when we do our Metroid Fusion remake episode, because I got a great idea for this. But, um, I mean, just like the way that the SAX is presented, that, that opening cutscene, or not the opening cutscene, but the cutscene where the SAX destroys the door and then like you see the close-up of his eyes. That might be the best the best cutscene in the Metroid series. It's simple, it's effective, it's scary, it sets the tone, it tells you so much without and like that scene to me told me so much more than Adam literally telling me all yep. about the SAX. You know what I mean? Like that was great Absolutely. Metroid storytelling. Yep. I, I, I definitely wanted more of that in Fusion for yeah. sure. I think that was I think that was the big thing that was sorely missing is because um, because again, it's the same way that Super Metroid Super Metroid is told. Where despite how simple of a story Super Metroid is, the way it's told without any dialogue and it just in, it's just able to just seamlessly infer what's happening to the player is mm -hmm. so effective. And this is one of those rare moments that Fusion does something so similar. I, I would and, also uh, liken that to Metroid Prime when you see Ridley flying over Fendrana. It was just like such a great reminder that like I, eventually I have to take this guy down and he looks just almighty flying up in the sky casting this large shadow. I mean, he's the reason why you initially uh, touched down on Talon 4 in the first place. Yeah, yeah. So that that was an incredible scene. I just... The vibe of, of Metroid Fusion is is very... Because it is small and you know that you have this thing stalking you, it does feel like a little bit oppressive sometimes and a little bit like... I, I don't know, just very tense is the word I keep coming back to. And, you know, again, say what you will about Metroid Fusion, but those escape sequences from the SAX2, there's there's two, maybe three, if you do the powerbomb one wrong. But those are, man, those are intense. Like Those are some of the most intense moments in the series. Far more intense, I would argue, than like when an Emmy catches you in Metroid Dread. Mm -hmm. I, I'd absolutely agree with that, especially the the power bomb sequence. Especially for I remember playing that for the first time, and even like by the time again, keep in mind I'm not a I'm not like a baby anymore. By the time I'm playing Fusion, like I'm in <laughs> high school, like you know I I play you know I I played Gears of War at this point. Like I've like I'm fairly like numb to like gore and violence and all that. Man, that power bomb Emmy or the not the uh, the power bomb SAX sequence when that first happened. That like actually like scared the hell out of me. <laughs> despite being this, despite playing this on you know a small or no, I was playing it on my DS actually, and uh, you know shout outs again to Zora, uh, making a cameo in our podcast. But yeah, I was playing Always. that on my DS at the time, and yeah, I just I remember just getting to that section, just immediately, just like literally like jumping out of my seat, like actually getting goosebumps on my arms, and just like, okay, don't move. Don't move. Don't move. Oh, wait, it's like a power bomb. I actually have to move. This is bad. I can't be here right now. <laughs> and just like, uh, that whole sequence is just done so well. It is It is a, a crazy intense sequence. And I, like, I don't know. I've never got caught there, but I know a bunch of people that have. So it's just like, it is a wild sequence. The SAX is a wild enemy. Arguably the most fearsome enemy in the entire series. Far more scary than the Emmys, uh, in my opinion, are. 
And like I said, I've got a great idea for you next. Uh, is it next week that we're doing the Metroid Fusion show? Remake show? Uh, yes, okay. I, I believe so, yes. Then I've got a heck of an idea for you. Um, I was about to say, uh, Zora's uh, messing with your autofocus there. Oh, yeah. It's, you know what? She, she, she can do whatever she wants. She's, uh, she's the queen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so I would say that like Metroid Fusion, it's not my favorite Metroid game, but it certainly does have a ton of like really awesome qualities going for it. Specifically, I would say, uh, I think a big strength of Metroid Fusion is the bosses and like how incredible the bosses are in that game. And we've got a, a boss show coming up in the next couple weeks, so I don't want to go too, too into it, but uh, I think that that's like a really big strength of that game. Oh, yeah, I, I love Fusion's bosses so much. It also has, I mean, I mean, obviously the, the big boy is Nightmare. That's like the big one, I feel like, that leaves the impre- the biggest impression on most people. Yeah. Um, but again, we'll, we'll go more in depth to that. But yeah, definitely like when I think of Fusion bosses, it's a big thumbs up from me. Um, so one area that we've had a little bit of debate on in the past has been the music of Metroid Fusion, and I'm not super high on it. I think that there's a couple tracks in the game that are pretty decent, but the problem with Metroid Fusion is that you hear a lot of the same tracks over and over and over and over and over and over again, and those are, I think, some of the weaker tracks in the game, unfortunately, whereas like some of the best tracks, I think, are like the, the main... like. The main title theme that sounds like a horror movie or like, you know, we often talk about the Ceres boss battle theme as a really good one. We talk about the nightmare theme as a really good one. But those are ones that you don't necessarily hear for a very long time. Whereas you do hear like the, I don't know what the actual track is called, but it's like the Sector 1 theme over and over and over again. Every time you talk to Adam, that song is playing. So I I do, I do wonder... Again, this is probably for our, our remake show, but I do wonder where you stand on Metroid Fusion and, and its music. I really like Fusion's uh, soundtrack. It's definitely it's definitely not my favorite. Like you know, I mean, there's uh, Prime One and Twos are obviously my absolute favorites. Super Metroid is, in my opinion, also like an S tier soundtrack. Uh, you know, AM Two R. We both agree that's that's wonderful. Um. And there's probably a, a Prime Prime Three. I think is also I, I think just a little bit stronger as well. But yeah, I also yeah I I really enjoy Fusions. I think it has a very unique aesthetic to um to its music. It has a very espionage feel to it, which I feel is appropriate. That's a good Fusion, word. Yeah, where you know where Samus is you know in a weaker state and more on the defensive and you know playing to the shadows quite literally in the case of the SAX. And I feel like that's really portrayed in this and uh, a lot of the music as well. So I really enjoy it. You know, the sector theme definitely oozes that. And um, I also, um, it's also uh, one of the reasons why I like the Artaria theme in Dread. It's one of the, one of the few tracks that I genuinely praise in that game. It definitely, it definitely has that same kind of atmosphere building to it. But um, I also really love the sector two theme as well. You know, it combines, you know, again, that kind of espionage, um, that kind of espionage atmosphere, mm-hmm. you know, along with along with, you know, the environmental greenery as well as some of the more mechanical elements that are occupying the background. Um, the sector four theme, I, I think, is one of my favorites in the game. I think it's one of the, my favorite water themes in all of Metroid, like maybe aside from the down frigate. Um, and maybe Super Metroid uh, Meridia Entrance, but like, man, it's it's up there. I love both. Or, I, I I should specify both of the Sector Four themes are incredible as well. Not just the main theme, but the Sector Four underwater theme as well. Just wow, mm-hmm. Jeff's kiss. Yeah, I do. I do have some thoughts about that and how it could be improved. Um, but anyways, we'll we'll save that for for next week. One other thing that uh, you know, I I really do love Metroid Fusion for this in. It seems like a really small thing, but I do love that it has like Metroids in it because it felt like they're, it felt like it, at least a Metroid Prime, that Metroids weren't like necessarily important to the story. Like I know that the game is, is called Metroid Prime and there's a Metroid called Metroid Prime in the Impact Creator, but it, it kind of felt like Metroid Prime, the being could have been anything, you know what I mean? And it, and it was just a Metroid because it was a Metroid game. Whereas in Fusion, I felt like there was like a really cool reason why Metroids popped up, why the X were stalking the Metroids, and why you would have a seemingly random boss at the end, the Omega Metroid, show up and be your your final boss. So I, I do, you know, and again, I really, really, really love at the end of Metroid Fusion that bit of storytelling, which is like showing rather than telling, because when you 
you know, you've established that the the X need to eliminate the Metroids if they want to survive. So you show that moment in the restricted zone and then you show it at the end of the game. And you have a very similar moment to the end of Super Metroid where, you know, you've you've kind of sorta like almost teamed up with the SAX at the end of the game, even though it's really acting in its own self-interest and, and trying to take out the Omega Metroid, which is a huge threat at this point. Um so I, I really love that bit of storytelling as well. And it's it's another example of the type of storytelling that I like I really love in in Metroid and specifically in this game that I wish that there was a bit more of. Yeah, absolutely. Like definitely I mean, obviously, you know, the the hidden sector reveal of the secret Metroid breeding program, that's like obviously the big twist in like the story. And again, the way it's present the way it's presented, um, you know, I think it's done really uh really effortlessly i wish the sequence was a bit longer because you you get in there um and then immediately like um you know immediately the place self-destructs and you're just out like that fast and i wish that the i wish the area was a bit larger and there was more floor. kind of similar to like the uh the elon section in metroid dread something more to that scale where it's still not like a big area in the game but there's a lot more to do there and um you know kind of the mystery of that is drawn out a little bit more more and then and then once you actually do discover the mystery there's still you know there's actually stuff that you have to deal with in the area there we go now we got andy back i'm back yeah audio audio listeners like what the hell is going on here um yeah no i i I completely agree with you and i just again like i i do love that style of storytelling i do love you know i i love just that uh there is elements of what i love in a Metroid or a Metroid storyline in this game, and I think that they can build upon that when, not if, but when they remake this game. Um, so I, I, I did say that my opinion has kind of waned and and risen and fallen over the years and stuff like that. And I think if you were to have asked me when we first started the podcast, like where Metroid Fusion ranks among my favorite Metroid games, I would have said it would be at the lower end. And I, th- I think that I would. St- still kind of say that but something different something definitely changed my opinion of metroid fusion and that was um i got to i got to write a walkthrough for it and writing the walkthrough and it was the second one that i ever did i wrote super metroid so here's a here's a behind the scenes story but i wrote a when covid first started um the office that i worked at shut down for like three months so i was at home for like three months which by the way was the best three months of my life um, but I was at home for three months and I was like, what should I do? And I was like, so I work at Zelda dungeon, which is a, a Zelda website built largely on the power of its walkthroughs. And so I was like, I always wanted to know if I could write a walkthrough for myself. And so I did. And I wrote one for super Metroid and kind of, you know, experimented with ways that we could write a walkthrough for the game, but also still kind of preserve the idea of exploration and stuff like that. So I wrote it, not really knowing whatever I wanted to do with it, but Fast forward, let's say a year, and I started getting the idea, you know, with the success of the podcast to put together a website that could potentially mimic Zelda Dungeon in a lot of ways and have walkthroughs and fan news and maps and stuff like that. And so at the time, I was like, well, I'm pretty sure that Game Boy Advance games are going to get added to Nintendo Switch Online at any day now, which as of right now, they're still not there. Um but I was like, well, that would make sense then that the next game that I should write is Metroid Fusion because it's and it's also like a shorter game. I could probably power through it and um, and you know be fine with that. And so I played Metroid Fusion a lot, a ton. I asked you, Doom, to play Metroid Fusion as well to take a bunch of screenshots and stuff like that. Um, so I I really felt like I got to know Metroid Fusion like very very intimately while I was writing this walkthrough. So like every expansion, every secret area, and that it did change my opinion of Metroid Fusion because I do, I think I came out of there just like, there's really a lot to love about this game. It's not my favorite. It probably won't be my favorite because of the story structure, but like the way that some of these bosses and their attack patterns and like the precise movements that you need to have, like I love them. There are some, there are some expansions in this game, particularly in Sector 6, like towards the end of the game where it's like, they're so fun. It's it's so fun. Like you're you're shine sparking through the air. You're shine sparking through space. You're you're you know we talked about last week where you're um, where you're space jumping and you can't touch the blocks. 
that's the stuff I love. And I was like, I, this is, this is awesome. Like, this is so much fun. Um, just like little things like that. Little things like, like the hidden scene, you know, like that you have to pull off like a series of absolutely redonkulous shine sparks to activate, which, uh, which I eventually did after like 200 tries. Um, like it's just little stuff like that. So I feel like I got to know the game very, very, very well. And it made me appreciate some of the things that maybe I just before was just kind of like, ah, oh, whatever. Like that's just stuff a, a Metroid game has where now I'm just like, you know, there are some areas where Metroid Fusion, like there are some sequences and there are some stuff that Metroid Fusion does that can be talked about in the same category as you might talk about some of the best in the Metroid series. And while yes, ultimately there is still like that, that fatal flaw of like the story and Adam and the way that that's told, I did kind of come away with like, man, I, I love the ending sequence with the, you know, with the, uh, the Omega Metroid and the SAX and like, I love that the Etacoons and Decoras are still here, that you have to go and rescue them. And, like, there, there is a lot that I, I got to know because I would replay these sections, like, over and over and over and over again as I was writing the walkthrough, as I was going back to change certain things. So, yeah, I, I just, I did kind of come away with it being, like, on one hand, like, there's a lot of stuff that I just don't like and probably will never like. But on the other hand, there is so much in this game that, like, really, I, I think is just fantastic. So, when I say that my my, I don't know, relationship with Metroid Fusion has changed over the years. That's kind of what I mean. And, and a lot of that is because of OmegaMetroid.com and the podcast that, uh, you know, that we do. You know, you brought up the Etacoons and Decoras and like, that's probably like for most people, that's probably like, you know, a whatever moment in the game, like, okay, they're animals, whatever. As a Metroid fan, that is one of unironically the yeah. coolest payoffs that is that has happened in the story. That's like happened from one of the games. Because, like, it's so cool and if you think about it. In Super Metroid, you canonically save the animals. And then in Fusion, they're the ones that save you back. They repay you. And it's, like, that. Like that's such a cool, like, such a cool moment. I absolutely love it. Yeah. So, and, and there's lots of, like, little little things like that in Metroid Fusion that I, uh, that I really like. Whether it's, like, a callback to how you would pick up an expansion in a previous game. Or whether it's, you know, just, like, really small details. Like... Arachnus showing up like I was like all right I, I love that Arachnus is here like he's kind of like the uh the star scream of the Metroid series at this point because he's been in so many games you always beat him up like I I kind of just love that and uh Metroid well, at this point at this point he's only been in two but well yeah but like or even or even like things that Metroid Fusion did like it just uh it continued the proud tradition which I guess you know this would have been technically the third game where you power bomb a glass tube and then it shatters like little things like that, that I, as I replay and replay and replay, I was just like, I appreciated and just kind of made me smile a little bit more. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a long journey with Metroid fusion where, you know, I got it. I, I can't say that I liked it as much as prime or super at the time. And obviously those are like, those are two tall asks. Like it, those are two games that like, if you're going to compare like, 99% of games to Super Metroid or Metroid Prime, it's probably not going to look favorable. So, like, it's that's kind of what I mean when I say I think it releasing with Metroid Prime didn't do it any favors. But, you know, I, I do think that it's, like, I, I've kind of gotten over that and just learned to appreciate it in its own right. It's a very different style of Metroid game. And I think that that's good because I think that it, like, you know, it has its own identity, which is something that every game needs to have. And, like, you know, you can look at, you can look at some games, like, I don't know, an Assassin's Creed. Like, a lot of those games blend together because there's nothing to differentiate them. Or they did a couple years ago anyways. Whereas, like, you know, you could, you could never say that Metroid Fusion is a lot like Super Metroid or like Zero Mission or like any other game in the series. So, while I don't necessarily love everything that it changed, I respect it for doing that, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, th I think you put it best. And I think... I think I think that's going to be be the line for the line for everyone. It's like do do you enjoy those changes or do you not like those changes? But I think at the end of the day, most people are going to respect that it at least tried to do something new at the end of the day. I will say um and I don't know I don't know if this even applies to me actually, but in hindsight, did playing other M make you appreciate Metroid Fusion more less indifferent? Cuz I know the DAC has said that it cheapened his experience with Metroid Fusion because of what the story did. Whereas me, I don't know. I, I almost feel like I appreciate Metroid Fusion more 
because it's like, well, this game did like a better job at telling a story than, you know, like eight years prior than other M did with a, a bigger budget and with bigger resources and a better platform. I don't know. Part of me was just like, it was almost just like, man, Metroid Fusion did way more with way less. And I respect it for that versus other M. And I know that we're, we're all kind of tired of beating up on other M. I'm just curious. I don't really think it had um, an effect on my opinion of Fusion. Mm. At least not, at least not consciously. Yeah. I, I just kind of, I just kind of view other, other M in like its own bubble. I don't really think that seeing if if anything, I I just look at what other M does right, and I just um, wish that those were incorporated in better games in the future. Yeah. And to an extent, we have seen some of that with like how the way uh, Mercury Steam has implemented the counter system and stuff like that. But you know, that's kind of its own that's its own separate topic. Mm-hmm. I will say I have one parting thought, which is going to all use this as a segue to get to next week. I think that a lot of my a lot of my critiques and stuff that didn't work for me about Metroid Fusion, I think was more so an issue of the system that it was on in the time that it was released. And I think that when, not if, when Metroid Fusion gets remade, I think that with modern improvements and slight tweaks and stuff, which I will go into next week, I think that it could be one of the best Metroid games in the series. If they wanted to go and do some of the, put in some of the suggestions that I have in place, but even stuff like voice acting, better music, like, uh, I'm sure that when they remake it, they're going to have bigger areas. Like, I think that the, the foundation is there to create one of the best games in the series. It's just, you know, are they going to implement this? Are they going to do it or not? I have a lot of, I have a lot of ideas for that next week. I'm actually, I'm stoked to talk about that next week. Um, oh, Sam, that's going to be such a good podcast. I can't wait. I, I can't, I can't wait, but yeah, so I, I will say, I think that it has the potential to be one of the best games in the series when it gets remade. So there you go. Uh, I, I I actually lied. Something did just occur to me about Other M that did uh, influence how I look at Fusion. And it actually and it actually is something that makes me uh, view Fusion in a little bit more of a negative light. Mm. Again, it's still like within my top two or three Metroid games. Keep that in mind. But, right. um, you know, obviously one of the mo- most infamous aspects of uh, Metroid Other M is the dialogue, the script writing. It's apps. Listen, even... I don't want to say even if you're a defender of Other M because some people genuinely do, but I think most people can agree that the script writing in Other M is just absolutely atrocious. It's, it's pretty weak. Awful. It's pretty weak. And that's being nice. But here's the thing: when you look at Fusion, well, obviously Fusion has a significantly better story, and I think the characterization of Samus has done a lot better. When you look at the actual raw dialogue choices, there are so many striking similarities to Other M that it gets kind of disturbing at some points. And I'm not just talking about the story similarities. Obviously, Other M is like kind of a boneless fusion light, as we joke about. But if you look at the way that the dialogue is written and how specifically Samus talks and some of that, it definitely has a lot of those same Other M tropes. And it's definitely... I, I've definitely noticed that as I've replayed Fusion in the years since I've played Other M. Mm-hmm. It's funny how voice acting can like make or break something like yes. that. Yes. Yeah, because it's not voice acted, it's significantly more bearable or even mm-hmm. or, or tolerable. But yeah, like if you like if you're like reading like script by script and you're just reading it, like there's a lot of similarities in how a lot of that is written. Good observation, because it's it's the truth. Um, I would have loved to see that Adam reveal voice acted in the style of other M. Oh, God. oh boy! Um, but yeah, some of uh, some of our memories of Metroid Fusion, the ups, the downs, how it's changed over the years, um, and we're not done talking about Metroid Fusion. But uh, really quick before we sign off, the Game Awards is on the eighth of December. <laughs> now I have a I have a yearly tradition, fool's gold, I call it, where. I'll watch the Game Awards. I'm usually covering it for Zelda Dungeon. This year, I'm going to be covering it for both Zelda Dungeon and Omega Metroid. Typically, there's never any Nintendo stuff there, which is mostly what I care about. Sometimes there's some games that I that I see that I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. But most of the games that are shown are like cinematic trailers for third-person shooters uh, set in space or something like that. So it's usually not that great of a time. I will say, if there's ever, ever, ever going to be a heavy Nintendo presence at the Game Awards... It's probably going to be this year with Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Are you excited for the Game Awards at all? Do you care one bit? 
I, I do not care about the game. Here's the thing. I say I don't care about the Game Awards, and yet I watch it every year. Just because I think... I know. I don't, I don't know. There's, there's, here's the thing. You can't watch it alone. You got to watch it with friends. Like, if you're watching it with friends, like, it's a wonderful experience. You can laugh at, like, all of the cringe and whatnot and, like, all the terrible ads and stuff like that or all the funny moments that happen. But if you're watching it alone, you're just going to be bored out of your mind. I, I would oh. not recommend doing that. Get a group of friends together, grab some beers, get some popcorn or order a pizza and just, you know, have a good time. So I just want to say too, I just want to say, I, as you've seen in this podcast, I am, I am a cat lover. My cat has been crawling all over the screen. Okay. But they nominated the wrong indie game for game of the year as well. And I haven't played Stray. I'm sure it's a fine game, but man, I don't know how you left out Tunic. That was a sick game. One that you should check out, Doom. I'll I'll probably check it out eventually for sure. I still got more I still got more Zelda titles that I need to check out first. So well, fair enough. Um, so yeah, if there if there's any if there's any news at all, uh, we'll be sure to report that next week. But yeah, next week we got. Uh, I think we, we have we confirmed our reschedule of our special guest. I think. I think, I think. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure we're okay. like we're like 90% there but uh, y- uh obviously y'all will find out next week. Yeah, that's right. Uh so what I'm really excited to hear your reaction to this idea that I have because it's it pays off an idea that we were talking about when we were talking about Metroid Dread a couple weeks ago that uh, I'm, I'm excited to present to you. What a Metroid Fusion could and should look like. That's coming up next week. And then after that, like we mentioned earlier, Metroid Fusion has some awesome boss fights. And we're going to be ranking those exactly like we ranked the Metroid Prime ones. I would I would dare say that I actually prefer the bosses of Fusion to Metroid Prime. I don't. I, you know what? Now that I say that, I don't know if I could stand behind that, but it would be a conversation worth having. I think. I I haven't really put that much thought into it yet, but I mean, I think that it, I, it's a conversation I worth I, having, happen. right? I can't. I can't say definitively that that's not the case. I yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I, man, I'm excited for, you know, I, I've, I've been really excited to talk about Metroid Fusion because I, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like on the show, I'm a little bit down on it and, uh, you know, it's going to be just good vibes for the next, uh, couple weeks here. And I'm excited about that. And then we're going to finish the year strong by talking about what we want and what we hope and what we expect for this series in the year of our Lord, 2023. So that's going to be, uh, that's going to be a fun show. I want Project Valkyrie revived. I want Project (laughs) Metroid Prime 4 to have a trailer. Um, So yeah, we'll go into that uh, in a couple weeks' time. But that is going to do it for this week. We want to know what your lasting memories and impressions of Metroid Fusion are and how they've changed and evolved over the years. Uh, Let us know over on Twitter, at Spiteri316, at Doominal Cross, and at Omega Metroid Pod. Join our Discord. Come and hang out with us. We always got uh, people talking about Metroid there. We'd love to have you. So, uh, you know, come and hang out with some fellow uh, Metroid nerds and, and talk about the series that you love. Um, and while you're there, check out our Patreon, like we mentioned. Uh, we got lots of bonus stuff there. We've got uh, merch available. And the source for all this is OmegaMetroid.com. You can head over there. Like I mentioned, there's guides, there's news, oh, all kinds of stuff. You know the drill. And while you're there, you can like and subscribe to the podcast. Recommend it to any Metroid fans in your life. Leave us a sweet five-star review. That would be that would be tasty if, if you guys did that. Um, that's it. That's all. We are going to get out of here for this week, but we will be back next week talking about what could and should happen for a Metroid Fusion remake. Until then, take care.